Hi, I'm Elise Lunan, co-host with Gwyneth of the Goop Podcast. Today's guest is Layla Delia, the second guest in our special series called Women on Top, which is all made possible by our friends at Banana Republic. The most interesting businesses are born out of curiosity. This is the space that Gwyneth was in when she started Goop. It's also the space from which Banana Republic was founded back in 1978 by two California creatives with adventurous spirits. Last fall, we partnered with a team at Banana Republic to celebrate curiosity by talking with women who are redefining what it means to be powerful and brave. And we're very excited to be back for a second series. I hope you love listening to these conversations as much as I love having them. And I know you'll be deeply inspired by these women. So please keep listening and keep shopping with our friends at Banana Republic. To see our favorites from their spring collection, head to bananarepublic.com slash goop. And to see our special capsule collection, head to goop.com slash the goop edit. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Layla Delia is an author, spiritual practitioner, and wellness educator. She also just came out with a new book, Vibrate Higher Daily. Today, we're talking about what it means to live a high vibe life or incoherence with yourself. Layla talks about her own history of trauma and deprivation and darkness and how she ultimately emerged and broke free and discovered her own spirituality and path to wholeness. We also discuss what it means for her to be a woman of color and wellness and how those communities are moving to reclaim what was always theirs. I was never really interested in this world before, but once I got a foot in it, I didn't want to go back. And I was just so curious to where it was just insatiable. Okay, let's get to my chat with Layla Delia. Congrats on your book and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for both. Thank you. And thank you so much. (laughs) So I know a bit just from reading your book about you, but can you take us through your own, I guess, dark night of the soul? I know you mm. had you were at a point of suicidal ideation, and mm. then you completely transformed. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I definitely have experienced the dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. and just what happens to the human spirit when it's broken, but also what happens to it when it finds hope again. Mm-hmm. So, in order to find the hope, I did go through that dark night of the soul, which looked like a 
just a whole concert, a whole symphony of traumas, of experiences, of negative messaging that was processing in a way as a young person, I didn't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't have language for, and I didn't know how to express that I needed help. And because my father, he was a practicing Buddhist growing up, he was very positive all the time. And my mother was in church, heavily in church, my grandmother's as well. So I didn't really feel safe. Mm. And when I say safe as a young person, safe as a young person is I'm not going to get in trouble if I tell like what I'm going through or what I'm experiencing. And even I had victimizations where there was sexual trauma from a trusted caregiver. Mm. And I didn't even know being a young victim, I didn't even know how to express that, which happens so many times. It's so yeah. textbook to victims because you feel the shame. Just the weight of that, I think we don't, you know, we didn't know what to do with that or we don't know whoever's experiencing that now. You don't know what to do with that. So that unhealed, when you add that to, I was growing up in South Central Los Angeles, which we lived in the war zone community. And it was literally a war zone. There was homicides left and right. Growing up, I had just a, a funeral. It seemed like every two weeks we were going to. And at this time, this was mid, I would say late 80s to mid 90s, like this whole time period that, that was really defining for me as far as trauma. And that again, I didn't know what to do with. But what I was doing, we were, I was creating peer bonds mm -hmm. with a lot of friends in the area, which a lot of children do sometimes, especially in urban communities, where it was just us expressing ourselves, expressing our pain, but then also accepting each other for wherever we, however, in how, wherever we show up in, in our stories. And so at that time, my friends were an outlet for me that I couldn't really tell my parents. Mm -hmm. But so there was a, a double life. It felt like I was living as a child because as much as I loved my friends, I wasn't fulfilled there in a friendship. Mm -hmm. And part of me just always felt like I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. Like there was almost like this undercurrent of, of, you know, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, and my father was always, when I'd go home, he was, he would have incense going and candles and he, you know, he would be chanting just really ethereal for me. So it was always a comfort zone. And as a young person, I didn't realize he was creating a sacred space to where, where at whatever I was experiencing when I left that home, when I came in, it was going to help to cleanse me or at least make me feel a welcomed home mm -hmm. to where I'd first want to go home in the first place. But as it happens a lot, you know, when we take these journeys, I took all of that with me, processed that, processed that in a way to where I continued the trauma part. Mm -hmm. So the healing didn't stick just yet. Mm -hmm. And the trauma was a little louder. And I was I was allowing myself to be in relationships that didn't serve me. And the relationship that I talk about in the book turned into a domestic violence mm. nightmare. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever, of course, dealt with to where I was really trapped. And it didn't feel like the home I grew up in, but it did feel like the in, in, a, in a way that is so undescribable, but it's it was speaking to my pain because it was familiar. Yeah. It was familiar to the peer bonds. It was familiar to all the messaging I had coming in as a young person that, you know, uh, danger and that was excitement. And it was cool to, you know, be with someone who treated you like crap. You know what I mean? Like this was this was the messaging that at the time we used to glorify in hip hop and 
that's an, you know, and I talk about in the book that being my hope that artists see that as problematic. And I think we're taking our nerve back as artists, as creatives, as people who are listening to the music. And so I wasn't mindful to, to take in those messages in a just, oh, this is just entertainment. Don't yeah. live it. But it was playing out in my life and I saw it. The trauma was playing out in my decisions because it hadn't healed. It was still there. And of course, still magnetizing more of the same energy to me. Mm-hmm. And so in this relationship, I was broken down completely for two years. And this was, it was severe. It was hospital stays and just some of the worst stuff. But when I got tired enough. And when I say tired enough, because there was my abuser at the time, his own mother, you know, would urge me to leave. And she would say, when when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you are going to leave. You're not going to care if you take a toothbrush with you or just yourself and your daughter, you're just going to be ready to go. Mm -hmm. And so I remember feeling that one night, like this is it for me. And I packed one bag with my daughter and we went to a hotel and that was my life for the next three months post that. And I didn't know where I was going to go after that. I didn't even know how to tell my family I'm living in a hotel. Like it, it was just so much and it happened so fast. So I was still in this, in this survival mode period. And from that, I remember right after that relationship, getting into another relationship, you know, the whole cycle, it's, it, it just feels so textbook because it, it really is just energy that I'm realizing now, you know, as a healed person looking in, it's just energy. It just attached to you until you can release it or know how to. So I attached someone who was just as abusive and my life just continued to down spiral. And I fought my way out of this last relationship, ended up in the hospital that same day. And they discovered a inflammation in my colon that I had, like that was the size of a, a lime, and it turned out to be diverticulitis. Mm-hmm. And so they had to do emergency surgery, and they're like, we're going to have to admit you. Now, granted, this was saving my life because I just had a fight. They got, you know, I thought it was the fight, like the pain from being physical, in a physical fight, fighting for my life out of that relationship. But it was something else showed up. And I always look at that as this mystical, divine purpose, you know, of saving me where I didn't have to leave there, go back or leave there and question what, what I was going to do next. I had seven days in that hospital to figure my life out. And my sister called me at the time I was in California. So by this time I had left California for that relationship and went to Texas. My sister was still here in LA and she sent me, she's like, let me send you this care package of herbs. I've been working with this herbalist and... I told him what's going on with you. And he said, don't let you, you know, he told, tell them to do not let her have surgery. This is curable. And so everything within me was just like, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. What do I have to lose? Literally at that point, I was just like, what do I have to lose? And so those herbs start, it was the start to the transformation. Like as little as they were, like I didn't know what they were doing. I, I had no idea what I was, what was about to happen to my life with, with these, with this plant medicine. And so I was taking them day by day and I just started experiencing not wanting to be a victim anymore. Mm. Whether it was aware, where I was, whether I was aware of it, whether I was going back for comfort, I just noticed that a lot of my patterns started to show themselves. I was able to see myself a little different. And from there, it, it didn't get magically easier. If, if anything, it got harder. Mm. Because now I was sitting with my own de- demons and I was sitting with these demons I felt were haunting me most of my life that I was having trauma with. And that was a period when the suicide came because I remember just feeling stuck. Like I'm, I'm away, but I have no idea in the world, world where to go, what to do 
there's no purpose for my life. I'm, I'm always making mistakes. I can't get out of these patterns. And it was just a sense of hopelessness. And I tried to take my life just with pain, pain relievers. And I woke up three days later by myself. My daughter was, and I had planned for my daughter to be with her grandmother three days later by myself. And I remember just being dazed. My first reaction was mad because I woke up like, oh my gosh, like I can't even do this right. And something else came upon me very swiftly. Like that, that feeling was only allowed to last quickly before this other feeling came in and took over that your life was just saved from ending in the way it was trying to. And so from there, I just started feeling hope. And day by day, I started taking those herbs again. And the herbs were allowing my body to detox. So even having those herbs that I never would have had mm. were part of me helping myself get to a better recovery phase after. And from there, I called in. I, I It's just by doing a small little step that, yes, I'll take these herbs. A mentor started showing up here and there. People would hand me a book. I would start getting interested in keywords I would I would hear. And from there, it's like a, I had a period of becoming autodidactic. I just started teaching myself what energy was, why these foods were healing me, how I could continue this path, how I can break patterns. And so it just a whole new world opened up. I was never really interested in this world before, but once I got a foot in it, I didn't want to go back. And I was just so curious to where it was just insatiable. Yeah, no, I feel like often, you know, it's like people catch a line and then you're suddenly mm. sort of holding yeah. on to something that's helping pulling you forward. And then the universe starts intervening in interesting yeah. ways. You mentioned too, like taking back narratives yeah but also taking back healing, you know, mm. in, in the context of cultural appropriation and what's happening, you know, with many white women in terms of our own interest and devotion to self-care yeah. and plants and herbs and self-healing. Yeah. This is, you know, the Western world brought Western medicine and psychotherapy, but these modalities belong, you know, as you mentioned, I love this quote from you, you said, being the child of an African-American and a Latina ex, I have seen how both communities have the passion, need, and desire to live fuller, healthier, and more whole lives. Historically, it has been people of color who would nurture and care for white families without the best resources or regard for their own well-being and family. We are the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren of these exhausted caregivers. It's in our genetic memory through trauma and inequality that self-care isn't a priority. Our communities need to have equal access to success, mind, body, spirit, and overall life-wise. But then you also talk about, you say, while black people in the Middle Passage and transatlantic slave trade were able to sneak herbs, seeds, spiritual roots, and knowledge with them onto those ships, mm -hmm. the same spiritual and wellness path we popularize now was whipped, beaten, programmed, and manipulated out of them until most medicine people were killed or died. We have to remain mindful that most of the mainstream spiritual and wellness models have popularized and even appropriated what has originated amongst people of color from around the planet. And... So it's yes. sort of like a, you know, a coming home and I think conversation yeah. that everyone needs to have, not only to respect where these things came from, but mm -hmm. like the, the convergence of these worlds. And yes. also, I think you talked about this in the context of color, communities of color. You know, I was talking to a reporter, a black woman, and we were talking about the Goop Lab show. And then after she was saying, she was like, you know, 
I started going to therapy and it's been the most important intervention in my life because like pretty much every woman of color in this country, you know, racism is a trauma, just one of many. And she was like, but my family is like, that's what white people do. And yeah. so, but she was like, no, like, but we yeah. need to reclaim this. Yeah. It was an interesting conversation only because I guess psychotherapy is Freud, but so many of right. these things were not ours. Yeah. And I know you've been a pivotal person in sort of expanding it. So how do you start to bridge that? Yeah. Just to make it feel that it's okay. And I talk about grace a lot in my work mm -hmm. to where wellness doesn't look like you're being perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. Wellness means that you accept yourself in any state and then you just do better from there. Mm -hmm. That's wellness right there. It's just not staying in the down spiral. It's not staying in denial and it's not staying in things that don't serve us. It's and if we are in those things, it's just recognizing that they're not okay for us. They're not the best for us. And then having grace to say, I may not get this right every day on my way to healing this or getting out of this or to doing better, but I'm going to start trying to reach for things that are going to pull me up higher mm -hmm. and allow me to exit these cycles. And that will look like looking out for things that don't look familiar to you, that you feel comfortable with, like me. Like I had no idea about this plant medicine and what it was doing, but it began to speak to the cells in my body. And, and on this level, like I was speaking about in that article, just even in my genome, mm -hmm. that, that was recognized as medicine, as plant medicine. And it took to it. It's like, yeah. yes, more of this. You're on the right path, child. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and so I think that when we can continue to support ourselves and know that the whole world is open up to us for healing and to reclaim things that were ours and to stand in our power when we want to go to classes, whether it's therapy, whether it's a meditation practice, whether it's counseling, whether it's yoga, whatever it is, or whether it's just being in nature, we have to feel okay and not label it as it's a white thing or, mm -hmm. you know, that's um, even a female thing, you know what I mean? Like all the things that can go with it or a thing of privilege even, because sometimes that's a piece where people say, oh, that's a thing of privilege. But for me, it was a thing of survival. Mm -hmm. Like I was not, most of the thing I remember, like I wasn't enjoying taking those medicines and I wasn't enjoying having to be in counseling, but it was, my life was counting on it. So if we can look at that part mm -hmm. and to say, it's just, this is just a basic need for survival. And then that's just how, where we have to start. Yeah. And that's what I like about that, you know, just Maslow's when he talks about the hierarchy of needs is that if we can get our basic needs met first, which we see I, it happens to me, but we see in a lot of communities with people of color, if we, we a lot of times we can't heal until we're not in survival mode anymore. Yeah. And so just if we can do the things that help get us out survival mode and then from there we can start looking up and then we see like there's oh, there's all these other levels to attain to and reach and then people looking outside in do what you can to help mm -hmm. so that people of color aren't stuck in survival mode because it's never going to be a fair playing ground because just the, how the mind works, you know, just on an animalistic level. Yeah. They're always going to be on survival mode going in circles until they can feel safe enough that now they can start looking at other terrains of their life. We'll get back to Layla Delia in just a second. You've probably heard me mention that curiosity is my favorite state of being. I try to carry that attitude with me every day, and it's certainly easier to do it at a place like Goop, 
that places such a premium value on being curious and feeling empowered to explore and ask questions. Banana Republic is another company that values curiosity. Their founding story starts with a California couple who were looking for an adventure. Fun fact, Banana Republic began as a safari-inspired clothing company, and today the inspiration for their clothing is designed for a life in motion, or as they put it, living a life of possibilities with no boundaries. This can be seen in Banana Republic's latest spring collection, a modern, versatile take on workwear. To see our favorites from the collection, head to bananarepublic.com goop. Balance can be elusive. I work at finding it every day, and a lot of days I don't get it quite right. Sakara is a wellness company that was founded to explore how we can create a healthy balance in various aspects of our lives. They believe that with balance comes clarity and freedom, and that this can all begin with how we feed our bodies. Sakara believes in the ancient healing power of plants, eating vegetables that make up every color in the rainbow, selecting good fats, and paying attention to nutrient density in your body's own intelligence. Their meals are designed to nourish and support a healthy mind and body. Sakara offers an organic nutrition program that provides fresh meals, teas, and supplements. It gets delivered right to your door with no meal prep required. And you can customize your weekly schedule to best fit your lifestyle. All of their meals are organic, plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, and contain no refined sugar. To try Sakara's organic meals and functional supplements, head to sakara.com goop. Right now, you can get 20% off of your entire order by using code GOOP20. That's S-A-K-A-R-A and use code GOOP20. Back to my chat with Layla Delia. You know, I have this conversation with a psychiatrist who we work with a lot. His name's Dr. Will Sue, and he's involved in with maps and, and trauma and psychedelic work. And his point as well is that there just aren't enough therapists in yeah. terms of people who really understand trauma and mm-hmm. somatic experiencing and how it shows up in our body yeah. and, and how it manifests. And that, you know, his, his belief is that, and this seems true of your own experience, like that it will become a community intervention mm-hmm. and friend to friend. Not that we want to, you know, sit our friends down on couches <laughs> and require it, but that we start to hold that space yeah. for each other. And even if it's the process of like a, a redirection, sort yeah. of like, Layla, like this is your path, like right. just holding the mirror. And I know you talk about that a lot as well, just sort of the essential nature of, sisterhood and women, Mm -hmm. you know, not only being there for each other, but also creating the space or creating, taking care of some of those basic needs. I mean, taking the kids or... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All those little things. It all helps just to know that, because I think with women, sometimes we, we're... Each of us are always in our life, nine times out of 10, the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, it's not easy to say I need help. Yeah. And one of my favorite songs is Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Mm -hmm. And that song for me is a song for everyone to listen to when they're in in need for help because it's a, it's an anthem, but then it's a call to action, like reach out for help because you never know. It may be me this, this time carrying the load 
or it might be you next time, but let's, let's create this situation to where I can call on you, you can call for me, and it's okay. And a lot of Bill Withers music talks about that. It's just absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that w- that's what it looked like for me, like my grandmothers. I remember growing up, they were from the black church experience, and everything was like really warm, holding circles for healing, holding circles for spirituality, you know, someone coming, everyone coming over with a dish. Mm -hmm. Sundays, we're getting together for family dinner. And so, but as time, and especially especially in this age, this era, a lot of that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how can we recreate these circles of healing that used to hold the communities together and that used to allow the children to see what that looked like to have community. But now we're, we're all, and which is a beautiful time. And I think that this is where we have to remember to root in things that did work in the past while we work on manifesting better for the future is keep the circles because those are necessary, but then still work. And a lot of our work does call us out to be away from circles and family and friends or even as an entrepreneur, you're by yourself a lot mm-hmm. and you're exhausted when, when you do have downtime and then you feel like, what am I, who, who am I going to turn to? Who's going to understand? And I hear that a lot from creatives that they don't really know if people get them. And a piece that I really believe is that if we can have a more altruistic way of how we show up in life and community, mm-hmm. when people are grieving, it's like we're forgetting how to help the grieving Mm. and help the people who are hurting and everything is so fast, fast, fast. Like what's the next yeah. best thing? And so as we have to remember that as, as much as we're tending to the next thing that somebody else might be stuck in their pain still. And so sometimes we have to look back and say, how can I help you forward? Yeah. Versus expecting them to just be going forward with you. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that we've forgotten the practice. I was having this conversation with some I call one of them my Jewish mother because my mom's Catholic this weekend. (laughs) And she was talking about sort of being present with people who are dying. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that, you know, we've all lost the practice or maybe many of us didn't have it, you know, sitting in the discomfort and with friends who might have had a bad diagnosis or really struggling in their marriage or whatever, just being like, just say it, just like lay it out. And I'm not going to comfort you. I'm not going to... I'm not going to quickly reflect, it's going to be fine, Leela, or yeah. like, you'll yeah. find another man, or <laughs> you'll be here in 10 years, you know, whatever it is, but yeah. just to yeah. like, let people say it yeah. and hold it. Yeah. And it's the same, as you mentioned, for grief, it's so, we're, and it's a completely normal, wonderful urge that we all have, which is to comfort, but that's not comforting when you're like, I just need you to experience my, like, you need to just let me talk. Yes. My, my husband and I practice this too, where I'm like, I just need to vent and express all of my fear and anxiety. And yeah. then you're going to want to rush in and be like, yeah. say this and yeah. do this. Yeah. But like, I don't need that. I don't yeah. need you to problem solve. Yep. But yeah, I think it's, it's true. Like we, my mom had a women's group. They still meet. I have never been able to create that in my own life, mm. but we yeah. need that on a, yeah. you know, community level. Absolutely. I think if we can understand when we show up that we do have a presence when we show up if we're aware of one of that and then to make sure that our presence is meaningful Mm -hmm. and what does that look like and a lot of times it's like you just said it's sitting and really listening 
It's sitting in the uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's being there, showing up when you really want to be somewhere else. It's showing that you've, you're investing in this person's life and you, you care. And it's letting a, another person know that this human experience is meant to be together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if we continue to allow people just to experience things on their own, and then, you know, and we're also a, another big thing that's happening now is the empathic awareness. And we've always been empathic. Our grandmothers were empathic, but they knew how to hold space. Mm-hmm. So we just have to claim our, take our power back in that and that whole narrative and say, well, I can be empathic and still have a meaningful presence and not be consumed by this person. I can keep my equanimity in yeah. any situation, but show up as a light. And I think that's how we help move this whole dynamic forward that we're experiencing to where we can have more of a touchstone with each other and it's not moving into like a robotic computer age but we're still tapping into like the human connectedness that we're all feeling and I've been at I've had workshops and talks before where if I ask the question who feels like they do not have the necessary support in their life in in some area everyone raises their hand right so there's so we're we're hungry we're we're yearning we're craving mm-hmm. support on a deeper level. Yeah. And it yeah. is, you know, that empa- it's, it is the age of empathy or <laughs> in that ap- empathic awareness and energetic awareness. And I know you yeah. write about this a lot in the book and yeah. it's, it's sort of incumbent on all of us to figure out, you know, you talk a lot about vibration, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to stay detached, you know, yeah. to stay close, but stay detached mm-hmm. in a way. So you're not letting people's yeah. energy, you know, you're cutting cords and not becoming totally. too attached to other people's ability to move forward or not, or process or not, right. but staying sort of in community while at the same time figuring out like these relationships just do not serve me Yeah. or these foods. Right. For you, what does that feel like when you're like, oh, like green, red, like what's, what does it feel yeah. like in your body? Yeah, for me, it's it's a matter of definitely I recognize it as vibration. Mm-hmm. So whether it's something that comes across my screen on my phone that, you know, if I'm online somewhere, I know this is just not for me. If it's a food where I'm having a craving, I look at even I forecast, okay, vibrationally, what is this going to have me looking like? Mm-hmm. What do I have to do today or tomorrow? Like what type of output do I need? And if this food is going to deplete me, I know I can't have it now. Maybe I can have it the day after. Like that happened now. <laughs> There's something that I wanted to eat today, but I know I'm clearer when I don't have like certain foods. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm depriving myself all the time, but you have to know where to schedule it in, Mm -hmm. you know, where to fit it in in your life. And then there's just some things that just are are just off the charts. Like for me, like there's there's no way it's a non-negotiable. And then we all I think we should all have those, whether it's a certain relationship a way somebody is treating you, like have a list of things that are non-negotiable because then that's how you also stay energetically in your worth. Mm -hmm. And you're able to now show up again in a meaningful presence. People see that when you walk in the room, you know, there's boundaries there. Like people, you can always tell when a person walks in the room and they have boundaries, they have a presence, they're able to shift the atmosphere in a way because they're feeling themselves. They're really honoring themselves in a way that's able to stand in their power. And that's, that's, it's measurable. It's, and it's in emotion, it's in vibration when you walk into a room, when you sit across from somebody and talk to them. And I think that if we can learn that we're also communicating every day in that way through our vibration. So when we show up, we're not on autopilot, mm-hmm. but but it's meaningful. And that can look like just before you enter a room, just take a few 
quick seconds to ground, to call your mind to your body mm-hmm. and just say, I'm going to show up today in my power, in my presence. I'm going to listen. I'm going to add things of value and I'm not going to take anything personally. Everyone's stuff is going to stay theirs and I'm going to stay in my power. And that's, again, keeping your equanimity. And I think it all goes back to like every principle in my book. It, it just really ties into keeping your equanimity because so often when we show up in spaces we're tempted to be reactionary, whether it's driving and someone cuts you off or you're waiting in line and someone's taking too long or you're at a restaurant and someone's rude to you. If you have bad news, like think energy can travel really fast if, if we don't keep it in check. And so equanimity is it nips it mm-hmm. before it's able to, you know, grow like a wildfire in your life. And so and but also it's just being in the midst of any chaos, in the midst of, of anything going on that you recognize is either somebody else's pain, whether it's mm. so-called toxic energy, you know, whatever you, whatever you label something as when you're, it's in front of you, it's, if you can keep your equanimity, you stay of better help, you're a greater presence. Cause now when you're calm, the part of your mind that is, and your nervous system, you're able to access just better wisdom. You know, you can quicker, you can access like the better things to say, the the more valuable things to say versus being reactionary where later you're going to regret what you said. So it just helps everyone. And it just is for me, it's been a path where I was able to learn how to really manage being empathic and sensitive to energies. Because before like, I would just be an introvert while, you know, mm-hmm. post my healing because I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to be around any of it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like forget all of it. But you know, I, it, that wasn't realistic. And so I had to learn how to be in the world, but not of it. And that's a thing that my grandmother used to say spiritually, you know, be in the world, but not of it. So wherever you are, you can keep your, your own standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do you advise people to start who might be sort of where you were? Is it like you can only find the ladder sort of when you're at that moment of needing it? Or like, where? Yeah. how do you help people even figure out where they are. Yeah. It's a matter of if you feel stuck and cause that feeling, that feeling is it's a running theme in your life. Mm-hmm. So it'll either be, you're feeling stuck. You're feeling at, you're at some rock bottom in your life. You'll feel like you're in a trap. Mm-hmm. You'll feel like you have no resources. So there's always some type of lack involved mm-hmm. in it. And so if you can look at where can I feel this gap, mm-hmm. there's, there's obviously a gap. If, if there's a a yearning for it, it's an alert. And so when we can listen to these alerts and honor them as this is supposed to be filled with something and something that will be healing and that's a solution to the situation. And that could look like starting to ask for help, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you have to reach out to somebody outside of your community, even if you have to start going to the library, reading books, and then pay attention to the words that are, or the people that are moving you to Mm -hmm. live in a better life, whether that's a reading, a book, a word, a poem, and really meditate on these words and they become alive. And as a writer, I I really stand by the power of words because words are energy Mm -hmm. and they carry so much. And so from me, I was able to, as I was writing journal, and I know it sounds cliche, but it helps you get things out of your head that you're not aware of so much in your waking life. And we're just going, going, going. And sometimes when we can write things out, we're 
for me, it showed up, it looked like I was being braver on paper. Mm -hmm. And so eventually through healing and through just taking the time to self-care, to heal, to be around people who served me, to let go of people who didn't, slowly but surely, I was able to start living those words. Mm -hmm. But I had to write them first and see them on paper and, and then live in a state of gratitude for I know this is not it for my life. And then when you know that everything is working for your good, things look different. Even mm-hmm. struggle and challenge and pain and trauma. But you know at the end of this day, you know, it's going to work. And, and something that Howard Thurman, one of my icons, he wrote about is at the end of all my struggles, what is it that I'm looking to come out of this? Mm. And so that's a question I carry with me. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you learned that can allow you to help others? Uh, that vibrationally that we are these vibrational beings we're energy so we're not just this solid you know just this accumulation of cells that have Mm -hmm. no purpose that we're energy looking to express itself in the most beautiful way the most dynamic ways and so when we know what to do with the energy we don't look to harm anyone we don't look to harm ourselves and if we by chance do which can happen in even in the most subtle ways like there's all the from you know the spectrum there's trauma but then there's little subtle things that we can just Maybe say something unkind to someone that mm-hmm. we love, you know, but just to understand how you can use vibration in the way you talk. It's just being aware of how you're saying things, of how you're treating your body, mm-hmm. of the work you're doing. Is it is it allowing you to wake up every day and feel passion and feel excitement and to feel like you're in service? Mm-hmm. Or is it feeling like it's taken away from, from this part of you that you don't know and it's mm-hmm. blocking a part of you that you don't know. So it's just looking at vibration as overall wellness. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't really understand the word vibration, it's just a term, but at the end of the day, it's this this ongoing thing that it's unnameable. That's the best name that, that has been created for it now, mm-hmm. but it's really the unnameable. It's, it's who we are and it's running through us. Yeah, it seems like it's a coherence, right? It's a coming home and a reclaiming and, you know, taking those wounds. And everyone has trauma, you know, and but sort of looking past the pain scale, which I think Mm -hmm. women in particular are like, well, it could be so much worse, right? Yeah, yeah. And just but understanding we're all so different, too, in the way things that in the way that things affect us, but sort of taking ownership of that and recognizing that like you it's your job to heal yourself it's not your job that it's not your fault that it happened but it's your job to heal yourself that's it yeah I have a quote that says she remembered who she was and the game changed and that's exactly what it was for me it Mm -hmm. was oh I, I it wasn't my fault but I have the power now thanks for listening to my conversation with Layla Delia For more on Layla, head to vibratehiredaily.com and make sure to grab a copy of her new book, Vibrate Higher Daily, out now. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back this Thursday for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.